Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. All right, guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. I've got a really special guest here today, uh, Stephen Pesavento. Uh, we've got a, uh, he's a wholesaler, he's a mindset coach, uh, and he's uh, venturing off into multifamily uh, acquisition and raising capital. Um, super uh, successful guy, great attitude, brings so much value to so many people. Uh, thanks for coming on, Stephen. Thank you, my friend. I'm excited to be here. I love what you've been able to uh, put together here, and I'm really excited to be able to share some uh, some stuff with the audience. I know it's wild. So when I met you for the first time at the best conference ever, uh, Tyler Chester put. I've been wanting to do it, and so like literally from that day to here, we've already released like eight episodes. So it's wild to see how fast you can do something. So it's an honor to have you on. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how you got started in the business? Yeah. So obviously my name's Steven Pesavento and I've been in this business for three, almost going on four years. And when I got started, I was just like many of you guys, you know, many other folks uh, that want to get started in real estate, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad somewhere along the way. And, you know, at 17 and, and then it was years later, almost 10 years before I finally was able to get my first real estate deal. And it's interesting because I was preventing myself from doing it for a lot of reasons. But when I finally jumped in, uh, I went, you know, balls to the wall in just two and a half, almost three years, had done over 200 deals in two different markets. And uh, I invest in Raleigh, North Carolina and Minneapolis, Minnesota remotely on the wholesaling front and uh, moving into multifamily right now, raising capital with a couple experienced operators focused on multifamily in the 100 unit plus category or the 25 unit plus for heavy value add here in Denver. So it's been it's been an incredible experience being able to grow and from zero to 75 deals that first year and then continue that growth from there. But the biggest thing that I learned and the biggest thing that I carry with me, which is why I, I run the Investor Mindset Podcast, is that when you want to go and do something, you go and find somebody else who's already doing it. You go find somebody who you can model, who you can learn from, and you figure out a way to add value into the wor their world. You figure out a way to help make their world a little bit better, and you find a way to model them. And so podcasts are a great way to model folks because you don't have to really get to know somebody. You don't have to, or I should say you don't have to know somebody, but just through this medium, you can absorb a lot of those thoughts and beliefs that those people are carrying in their life every single day, and you can start applying those in your own until you are carrying them yourself. It's amazing. And, and I'm going to stick there for a minute because you wouldn't believe this if I told you. <laughs> I got handed Rich Dad, Poor Dad at 17 from, same, same, from a friend's dad. And he said, you know what? You're very smart, but you're a little different. He said, I don't think you love school. Read this book. And I read the book. And sure enough, I'm not kidding when I say this, and I'm not trying to make this up for the podcast. It took me 10 years too. <laughs> Oh my so God, that's amazing. In like seven bad deals. So it's so funny. So if you had to talk about, you read the book, you understood it. What was, the, what was holding you back those 10 years? Because when you did start, I mean, to do those many deals in that many time, you know, has, that's really amazing. So what do you think in that short amount of time that was really holding you back? 
Well, I think that in life, sometimes you've got to go through the steps or you've got to, you've got to veer off course for a little bit um, before you actually get back around to the thing that matters most to you. And what it was for me was I was 17 and I was growing up in an amazing, loving household. We didn't have a lot of money and there was a lot of fear around money. There was a lot of concern about not having enough. And a lot of the conversation that Rich Dad talks about, about I can't afford it versus, you know, how can I afford it? That was a big concept in our house. Like we didn't, that wasn't something that was comfortable for my family to use. And so I don't know, it, it took a while before I started really believing that I could do it. Like mm-hmm. I, I had that concept. I saw that somebody else was talking about a better life and I knew that it was possible, but I wasn't quite there. And I ended up going to college. I ended up uh, graduating and I ended up going into management consulting. And I started finding that once I was in that field, um, I was making a lot of money and I was enjoying uh, the, the prestige of being a management consultant, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really being fulfilled on a day-to-day basis. I wasn't surrounded by people who are passionate. Maybe that was a result of the projects I was on, but I was in this search, this search to find that passion, this search to figure out a way for me to be able to live the life that I want to live and enjoy the work. And so I kind of set down this path of going and working in startups and then from startups to starting my own to having some failures along the way. And finally, I had this moment and it's something most people won't understand, but those who do, you know, will be able to resonate. I was in this really terrible spot where I had this extreme pain every single day for two years. I had these terrible headaches that had manifested into migraines and they never went away. It was a level three or four pain scale was the minimum. And it went all the way up to a seven or eight where there was days where I just couldn't think, I couldn't operate. I was essentially running just this, you know, stressed version of myself. And I was trying everything that I possibly could. And I stumbled onto personal development. I stumbled onto some Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins. And I'd already read Tim Ferriss earlier in life, but stumbled onto his podcast and, you know, it started opening up some eyes. But finally, I had this moment and... I met this, this person. He had just come back from Richard Branson's island. Uh, he was a friend of a friend, and he was coming to stay with us for a couple of days while he was in L.A. And he was on Richard's island going to heal Richard because he was a spiritual healer. And it was something I didn't really believe in. And I have a younger sister who was a, was a healer. And I, like when I heard her talk about this stuff, I started to, I, I kind of hear what you're saying, but it's something that doesn't, it didn't make sense to me at the time, but long story short, I went through this experience with him. He did uh, some of the magical work that he does. And within you know, only a few sessions, these headaches that I couldn't get rid of, no matter what I tried, were disappearing. They were leaving. And I ended up coming out with this sense of energy, this sense of like release, where he had moved some things around, or at least I believed he did. And when I came out of it, I rocketed right into real estate quit doing anything else that I was doing, fired all my clients. And I guess the rest is kind of history. So I'm sitting here like crawling in my skin because you're, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. No, there's no chance that you're, there's no chance that this is made up guys. I swear to God, this is real. I'm freaking out right now. Two days ago, we get up to do Ironman training 5am. I'm on the West coast with some friends who are healers. I've got a massive headache. I mean, stage nine. Um, I said, hey, do you have any Advil? 
they go, we don't need Advil here. Fuck that shit. Sit down with me. We're going to do a five minute release. And we did this, whatever you want to call it, meditation, guided meditation. Within two minutes, it was gone. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, and, it and doesn't not, seem real. It doesn't seem real. And so then it, then it bends your mind going, oh, this is all in the brain because obviously something was blocking me and I choose to accept it, made peace with it and moved on. And I think it's wild how <laughs> we have this so, such a similar, you know, on another time, maybe we'll talk about some other stuff I've done in the last week or two that, that is interesting. But, you know, I am heavy into the personal development stuff and it has changed my life. I was an alcoholic and it's got me sober and, and so on like that. So you have this experience, you fire your clients, you, you, the headaches go away. You know, how do you go from, you know, not knowing a, a lot about real estate to doing 200 deals like that? Like, was it a, was it a slow climb? Did you get a couple and then you got rolling? How did that look? Yeah. So I'm going to share something with the audience here and I, I, I'm going to share it. And it's profound. So I'm going to tell you it's profound like Zig Ziglar would, because I want you to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. The reason that I was able to do so many deals, the reason I was able to grow so quickly was because I had decided to go 100% all in. And I went 100% all in in that direction. And I had no other choice but to succeed. I had fired all my clients. I had no other way to make money other than to make this thing work. I was renting out my house on Airbnb one week out of the month so that I could pay my rent. And me and my roommate would go travel somewhere or I'd travel to North Carolina where I was investing. And so the real reason that I was able to succeed was because I made it an absolute, you know, there was no other option available. And then I went and found other people who were already succeeding and doing it. And I literally copied or modeled their business and built what they were building and was able to have similar types of success and learn a lot really, really quickly in the process. It's amazing. hundred percent. And for me, uh, it took 20 years to leave the restaurant. Well, I was in the restaurant business for 20 years. I wanted to leave for five. And it wasn't until, as they would say in the, in the field, it wasn't until I burned the boats that the opportunities presented themselves. And, and like you said, you, you made a decision. This was the path that you were going. And, you know, to skyrocket, you know, that quickly, right? You're, 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 you maybe were not the CEO of your businesses with all these employees that you needed to be, but you were sure at a crisis to get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like uh, a parallel I'll draw is that, you know, about a year ago, I launched the Investor Mindset. And it's, you know, it's a top 200 investing podcast. We're often ranked above the top 1,000 out of 700,000 podcasts. So mm -hmm. I share that not to boast about it, but just to explain that, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. And so when I, when I launched it, I was really excited about it. I had a lot of fear about doing it. And I had thought about doing it for many, many years. And finally, it was similar type of case where I hit this threshold. I hit this place where I had a belief that I could do it. I was on the Bigger Pockets podcast. I had some conversations. I met some other podcasters. I got surrounded by them. I realized that they're just people like me and that I can go and do this. And once I had that belief in my head, I went out and made it happen. And But the big key was I had to commit myself to it. So I told a bunch of people I was doing it. And the big kicker was I scheduled like 15 interviews. And before I launched, I had 
you know, already done 12 or 13 or 14 interviews. So I already had interviewed and connected with a lot of people, people that I highly respected. And if you go back and look at those first 14 episodes, they're big names from the industry that you know, like Joe Fairless and Rod Khalif and many others. And so what it did was it forced my hand. I had no choice to let fear creep in. I had already committed. And so when we can do that within our investing business, when we can find a path that we know we could go down that is going to make a big difference for us and that we can commit ourselves to it by taking some action in that moment when we're excited about it, but make it big enough that it pulls us forward when we're having that feeling of wanting to give up. Because there's plenty of times where I thought, oh, I don't want to be judged by others or what are people going to think about me or what happens if I fail or what happens if it, it doesn't sound good or I, I sound stupid. Well, those things end up not mattering after you do it a few times and realize that, well, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I can learn how to be even better and uh, I can get a lot out of it in the process and help other people. I think we might be best friends because, <laughs> dude, this is so wild to me. Same thing with me. I wanted to do it for like two years. And then you're having these limiting beliefs like, well, why does it matter? Like, what, who the hell am I, right? You know, and, but then like at the same time, like you get that message, right? From somebody that like, hey man, like that really helped me. And you're like, oh, oh, wow. Like people are listening. This is great. And so, you know, I think my favorite quote ever ever. I use it probably seven times a day. Kyle sees, he says, everybody is so worried about what they'll lose because that's quantitative. They don't understand by telling the truth or seeking their truth. They don't understand what they might gain. And everybody can put parameters on, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. What is this person going to think? But when you just lean into everything, that was my quote, my motto for 2019. And it was amazing how the opportunities in the life just kind of like you know, started, the shells started coming out. And so, you know, you're building this business, you create this podcast, you create the business, you know, I'm sure it wasn't all roses, right? I'm sure it wasn't perfect. Like, what did you learn along the way to become the CEO, you know, streamline that you are today put together, right? What did you learn about yourself and, you know, employing people, which for me is probably the thing I care about the most, making sure that my employees are happy, and, and, and understanding that I, I serve them, they don't serve me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I learned a lot. I mean, you end up learning a lot through the experience. And I think one of the big things that I learned after interviewing, you know, nearly 100 folks in, in that first year was that there's five key principles that end up making up the successful investor. And if you guys are interested in diving deeper into these, I've put together a nice 20 or 30 page ebook on this subject at theinvestormindset.com slash principles. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll, you know, tag that that in, will be, we'll tag that in the show notes too. So. so you guys can just click on over there and check it out. It's really valuable. But a couple of those that were really big was that uh, the most successful people get really, really clear on what they're doing. They get really, really clear on why they're doing what they're doing and understand exactly the reason why it's important for them to do that. And then they get really clear on doing one or two things max. So they're only doing one new thing at a time. In other words, they're succeeding and thriving in one business before they step out and start another business. So I made this mistake myself when I was starting and growing into the commercial side and also 
launching the podcast at the same time and also uh, working at getting myself out of the day-to-day of my wholesaling business because when you're doing that kind of volume, I realize only after stepping out of the day-to-day that I was such an integral piece of that machine working that when I stepped out, things started falling off the machine. The machine started not working the same way. The, the margins started going down, started realizing that, wow, I've got to get back in here and re-engineer and re-architect what I'm currently running and make sure that that is a sound business, that as a sound factory, that's a sound machine that can run when I'm not overlooking it and watching it. So that's one of the big things, one of the big takeaways talking to all these folks and my experience is that, you know, sometimes you're going to have big dreams, you're going to have big goals, but it's really important that you get really good at one thing before you move on to the next. You know, I really wanted to get into multifamily a year and a half ago, and I was setting down that path, connecting with phenomenal operators, learning about some of the details, and it ended up being a distraction because I was also running this phenomenal podcast. I was also building, you know, some great content for the audience. I was also building my wholesaling business and you can do all of these things, but you can only do one of them at a time when you're learning something new. So it's like uh, the best business owners, they might own multiple businesses, but they don't own multiple businesses until they have one really successful business. And then they move on to the next one while that other machine continues running or they shut it down and they focus on that new thing. That's amazing. You're 100% right. And and that's as you talk to these guys over and over again, it's simple. It's, you know, as my old boss would say, you got to punch the bullseye many a times, you know, uh, over and over again. And when you when you get it streamlined, you just streamline it more and you keep building it stuff. So as you move into the multifamily space, which I which I know is something that I look forward to get into eventually, because it's very exciting. And I find the investors to be a pleasure to talk to. Um, it's a team sport, you know, what are you looking to do? What are you, what mindset are you setting around the intention of this? You know, cause that's what the podcast is about. You're, you're after creating a lifestyle, right? Um, you know, and, and you're looking at to do with that long-term with multifamily cause wholesaling is a, it's a job. I mean, you know, if you're still in the business. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big reasons that we've moved towards commercial and that we've made a commitment to ourselves to move 100% in that direction in the next few months, we're still doing some deals on the wholesaling side because that generates immediate income and we're focusing a good portion of our energy on multifamily. But the reason why we decided to make this switch was because when you're able to focus on a bigger asset, It takes almost the same amount of energy to vet and understand the specifics of a deal when you're talking about 100 units as it does when you're talking about 10 units. And so when we can go about gaining some economies of scale, when we can go about going and finding something where we're going to put our lot of effort and energy into a project up front to go out and find and vet that property, to then get it stabilized and running in a good way, that then that business itself, because each of those individual buildings are their own businesses, they start generating cash flow, which is profit, that is paying every single month or every single quarter to our investors, our partners, and that is also paying us as management. And then as a benefit, we get the upside of the appreciation with the upside of that uh, that capital gain that happens on the asset, which currently as a wholesaler, as a flipper, I'm only focused on capital gain. 
So there's a really big, there's a really big motivation to, you know, turn these things as quickly as possible. And there's a huge limitation because the, the value of a single family home is based 100% on the neighborhood and what other homes just like it are selling for. While the value of a commercial property is based on what is the net income, the net operating income of that asset. Uh, and you have the ability to increase the value of that property, the, the value of that business based on increasing uh, income, you know, rents, uh, potentially finding other revenue streams or decreasing expenses. And for example, uh, if you buy a five cap, if you're, if you're running a property at a five cap, and that means if you bought it with all cash, uh, you're having a 5% return on your, on your investment, uh, based on the profit that you're getting. If you bought it at a five cap and you increase it by $1 in, uh, in, income or expenses, you're adding $20 to the value of that property. So you can imagine how quickly you can add value to a property if you're running that well and how big of a difference it makes to the overall value. And then on top of it, you're earning more money. So in the long run, it's better for my investors. They're getting all these benefits, mm-hmm. and especially the folks that have been coming over from uh, you know, my flipping days. But then we as operators get the benefit of building uh, multiple businesses. And the more of them that we buy, the better of economies of scales we get. So overall, it's just a lot better of a a place to hang out. And the types of people that we get to work with on a regular basis happen to be the kind of people that I want to, you know, hang out with and talk (laughs) with the people who are, you know, growing and, and going after more in life versus the types of folks that we've been working and serving in the single family space. No, I, I feel the same way. The moment I went to a Jake and Gino event with Evan uh, Holiday in Nashville, I was like, these dudes are awesome. Like they're just banging down thousand units and they're like, it's whatever. And I'm like, I just like this mindset better. So, you know, a lot of young kids listen to my podcast. I, I coach a lot of young kids that are getting started. It's probably my favorite thing to do, uh, get them their first property. A lot of them say the same thing. They say the same thing to me every time. There's two questions. Um, one you know, uh, what if I don't have the money? How do I find the deal? And then they also say like, how do you, how do you get to a point where you can raise money like you do from investors or, or whoever? How do you get to that point? Is it track record? Is it, you know, having a deal that makes sense? Like, what are you, what are you looking for in something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, that first thing about getting your first deal, there's an old adage that, you know, after you get that first deal, everything gets a little bit easier. And I think that's true. And it's true for two reasons. One, because once you've done it, you know how to do it. And then you can continue to execute on that path. Or you totally screwed it up and you failed, which means you learned. And then you're able to do it better the next time. So that's one reason. The other reason is because you've created a belief in yourself that it's possible for you to do it. And other people have that belief in yourself that it's possible for you to do it. So just going out there and getting that first deal and making sure that, you know, hopefully it's one that is a good deal. I don't ever recommend people buy their first deal just to get a deal under their belt. Um, and to your second point, the question about raising capital. So when I got started, I didn't have any money. I had a couple thousand bucks that I spent on direct mail and I got 12 postcards or I got 12 phone calls off of, uh, off of spending $1,000 on 3,000 letters. And so it was very scary because I didn't have a lot of money and I, I was failing at the marketing side. But what I did realize was once you start going down the path of being in the business long enough, 
you start understanding how to talk the talk and speak the lingo. And then you start learning how to walk the walk. And then you start executing and you start having that experience and other people start noticing that you have that experience. So when you're brand new and you're just getting started, I think it's critical that you either have one of two things. You either have existing relationships where you have no like and trust factor with those people. They trust you, they believe in you, and they're willing to take a risk on you because they're going to be investing in you and they're going to have to know that you're going to come through in the end. And when you're brand new, that's super important. The other thing is you want to take that track record that you don't have and you want to go find somebody who has a track record, somebody that you trust, someone that other people can trust. And you don't want to do this too quickly. You don't want to just jump into bed per se with somebody that isn't the right fit. Like in my example, when I got started, I knew that I could add a lot of value from the marketing side, from the sales side, from the hustle side, from going out and learning new strategies and implementing them quickly. And my partner, my first business partner, he was an existing house flipper. He had been flipping for 15 to 20 years. He had you know, built hundreds of houses. And where he was having some weakness was how does he find more deals? And so building that partnership from the beginning, I got to add value by going out and finding deals. And he got to add value by knowing how to operate that business successfully. And so you can look at what I'm doing in multifamily and I've gone out and built relationships for 18 months before I decided to move forward with these operating partners that I am now raising capital with, right? Because you're raising capital as a part of the team. You're raising capital for these deals and you have to be a part of the team um, in order to do this the right way. But essentially what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, these people have 10 years of experience operating and managing these business. They're absolute experts. Where can I add some value? Well, I can add value because I have a track record experience with investors of returning their capital, of giving them a great return, of giving them secure, uh, you know, secure returns and always coming through. Even when deals didn't work out, they always got paid and they got paid well. And so now I can take those existing relationships and new ones over to the multifamily space. And then we all get a benefit from the economies of scale. And so that's what I recommend to new investors is, you know, go out and, you know, obviously get and learn to be an expert because in this business, you have to be an expert. There's no faking it. It's really critical that you're doing things right and that you're protecting your investors' money because losing their money is the worst thing that you can do. And honestly, you should always pay it back if you do. And so the second thing is that you want to go and find other people who have lots of experience, who can be advisors on your team, who can you know, run the operations that you can learn alongside and then build that experience. And eventually down the road, you can run things on your own, but why not work with somebody who's already been there and done it and share in the upside on those things? A thousand percent. When the game changed for me was when I realized that 90, you know, not 90% of the time, obviously the deal matters, but 90% of the time, these people, mentors, whatever you want to call them, investors, uh, partners in deals, they're investing in you as a person. Like literally I took a deal to a friend and he goes, I know you spent like two hours on that spreadsheet, but I don't care. Here's the money I'm investing in you. And I was like, holy shit. Like, he loves me and my core values and what I stand for. And that means way more than a deal. And I was like, that was like what set me free. And like, and really what set me free was the first time I got into a mastermind when I met syndicators and, you know, call whatever they want. But I met syndicators that had like two, two, five grand in their, in their bank account. And they're, they're, they're putting offers in on $12 million deals. 
And, and, yeah. you know, the, the, I just love that mindset. Right. And it's just a, it's just a deal mindset. And, you know, everybody is concerned, which they should be in the, in whatever market we're about to roll into. But I think if you have the right, and that's why I'm about to take a shift in the, in the conversation. Cause I know that me and you like to talk about mindset a lot. Cause I think in, I think real estate knowledge is very important. I really do. I think it's super important. I think you got to know. I spent three years driving from Houston to San Antonio just listening to Bigger Pockets. This was my college. And, but I do think that when you create an unstoppable mindset, like, um, you know, a Michael Jordan, a Kobe, like you or whoever, Evan, you can really do anything you want to. Right. And I, and so how do you, you know, a lot of guys I deal with, they're, they're, they're hard on themselves. They're, they're, you know, they've been in the game like a month and they're yelling at each like, Oh my God, I haven't done enough. And I'm like, bro, I've been wanting to get in the game since I was 17. I'm 39 now. Um, just getting my sea legs underneath me and like really rocking and rolling. So how did you cultivate this? I mean, like I look at you from the outside point of view and maybe this isn't how you feel every day, but you seem so put together. You seem so you know, locked in is what I'm saying. Like, is that, is that cultivation of time, personal development, coaching, you know, how do you get in that realm? Is it, you know, I mean, are you just surrounded by people that don't allow you to dip down there? I mean, cause I know I am. So. I, I think that there's so much to it. There's absolutely a hundred percent so much to it. So I think the big thing is that you want to invest in yourself. You want to invest in you know, if you're watching on video, you see a stack of books behind me. Um, every single day I'm sitting down and I'm reading. And now there's times where I fall off the wagon. There's times where I'm not investing in putting the right thoughts into my head. But, you know, I'm probably always going through some type of program or education thing. I'm working with a coach on a weekly basis. I have multiple coaches in different areas of my life. And I spend more money than most do on making sure that I can continue to hone my mind in the right place. Because, you know, I think growing up, like I maybe mentioned, um, I didn't have the best beliefs. I had a lot of fears. I had a lot of reasons that I believed that I wasn't good enough. And th those thoughts, they'll still come in. Th those don't fully go away. Uh, you know, and the key is that you're getting stronger every day and you're, you're slowly but surely decreasing the amount of time that you stay down in those low points. And I am very put together and I'm a very great speaker and I have, you know, the focus and energy to put in 15 hour days every day of the week. And then there'll be times where I totally fall off, where I have a bad day, where I can't get anything done, or maybe it's a bad week. But the big thing, the big reminder for all of you guys is that when you have those bad days, when you have those bad weeks, when you're not feeling quite up to it, it's to check in with yourself. And the quicker that you can recognize that you're having that kind of a moment and the quicker that you can acknowledge that emotion that you're going through and the quicker you can ask yourself, well, what positive intention is this negative emotion trying to tell me? Or what is the positive message this negative emotion is trying to tell me? And how can I use that to move forward? And the more times that you do that, it's going to seem weird at first and it seems weird saying it out loud. But the more times that you do that, the easier that it gets and the stronger that you get. And so this has been, you know, five, 10 years of constant, consistent work of developing myself from being a, a ruffian, you know, being a, what I would call, you know, maybe, you know, looking back at an earlier version of myself, I wouldn't be as, as proud of who, 
who I was, but I'm extremely proud of who I am today. And I look forward to continue growing every day. And I think that's the way to look at it. And the key is, of course, not falling into, you know, reflecting on the past as being a negative, but looking forward to the future and the present of who you are right now and who you're committed to being. Thousand percent. And I just want to say, so it's documented. I'm I've I'd venture to guess there's nobody that reads people better than me. It's my specialty. I've been a bartender for 20 years. I've seen it all. Um, within the first two minutes of meeting you, I knew that you were a person that I would seek out slash just a good human, right? And and it's it's evident, right? You you work on it, but but I think the same thing that you have and I have is like that's great. Like Stephen today is awesome, but Stephen two years from now this Steven ain't good enough. And like, that's the way, you know, Ed Milet made a quote and I've, I live by it. And I, I wrote something during new year's, you know, the 2019 version of Austin Linney is not available for 2020. He can't walk in the door. Mm-hmm. The 2000 and that's so, so when you seek, right. And this is my kind of like, I had an epiphany in order to truly seek, you must surrender. Mm-hmm. And in the, the, what people are quick to do when they have those bad days, those moments, you know, to turn to the bottle, to turn on Netflix, to turn on Instagram and, and just drown it out instead of sitting with your emotions and saying, that's great. And, and somebody might have affected me this way, but why am I truly feeling this way? And it's not until you really, un, you know, open the hood and you say, you know, why the fuck am I drinking so much? And it's just this constant revolving thing. And then, you know, look, I have an addictive personality. Well, I'd much rather be addicted to personal development and Ironmans than fucking cocaine and, 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 and fucking alcohol. So I'll take it where I can. So it's almost like, wouldn't you say like you're almost hacking your own brain and knowing how you operate? And it's not until you know how you operate that you can address the problems. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I also have a fairly addictive personality and I also could be the kind of person who will turn to coping mechanisms to essentially escape that emotion or that feeling. And some people think, well, Stephen, you're crazy. You're so disciplined. How do you do that? But when I decide that I'm not going to do something anymore, that's Mm. it. It's done. Mm. But when I decide that I've opened myself back up to it, then that's when things can slowly start to creep in and you slowly start to kind of doing, you know, something that maybe isn't as beneficial. And here's like a great example. If you're going to think to yourself, well, hey, I don't have any bad addictions. I'm not doing alcohol or drugs. I'm not living in that life. Well, great. You know, one of the coping mechanisms that I'll sometimes fall into is I'll sit down and watch Netflix and then I'll watch another episode and I'll watch another and I'll feel the depression continue to cycle and go deeper and deeper. And it's almost like you can't escape it because you're just living for that next little high on the episode. Mm -hmm. The same thing might be true on, well, I'm going to go eat some more. I'm going to go do this. But the key is to figure out, well, what what are the coping mechanisms that aren't supporting you the most right now? Maybe you don't have to cut all of them out. Let's just Mm. do one at a time and then replace it with something that's empowering. You know, like for me of late, I, every single day I'm going on a 20 to 30 minute run. And that's because right now we've been in lockdown mode and Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I've been much unhappier and you know, as a result, when I go and do these workouts, I am not only more productive, but I'm happier. And it, it's kind of a cycle of effect where it prevents me from wanting to go, you know, do other coping mechanisms like, you know, veg out on some Netflix or eat a bunch of food that's not, not really serving me. So 
those are just some things to think about and just recognize that, hey, this is normal and it's just a process and we continue to iterate and improve on ourselves. And, you know, you can choose to be addicted to something that's going to put you in the right place or you can choose to be uh, addicted to something that's going to put you in the gutter. Amen. And, and life's a choice. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So, you know, if, if you had to give, we've got a little more time here. If you had to give, you know, a quick five, seven minutes to those new guys, you know, my, my assistant is, 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 is a month in changing his entire life. He was a bass player and a producer, you know, and he's, he's excited to get in. If you had to address him, you know, what are the first, let's say first six months to a year in the, in the real estate space, you know, should you incorporate a lot of personal development in that? Should you, should you be learning everything that you need to know about flipping? Like what are, what are the, what do you think is the best route to take? I think the best route is to first sit down and define what it is that you want and why you want it. And then ask yourself, why do you really want it? And then ask yourself, why do you really want it? And continue to ask yourself that until you've got it clear, because you might be saying to yourself, hey, what I want to do is I want to invest in real estate. And I want to do that because you know I want to have money. And then you might continue down that path and realize that what you really want is to have security, that you want to know that money is going to be coming in on a consistent basis. And you don't want to have that fear that you maybe you had growing up about money. And therefore, you realize well, I don't want to just invest in real estate. I need to invest in something that is going to get me a consistent paycheck that's going to come in off of that real estate. So maybe I, I want to focus on flipping, but really what I need to be focused on is what's going to pay me on a consistent basis, right? And so you've got to figure out what is that ultimate goal. And the reason I want you to focus your effort and energy on figuring some of that out up front is that be, based on what you decide to do, you're going to go down a different path. And I'm a big believer that you should try a bunch of flavors of ice cream before you dive into the whole carton. But if you're going to go down a path, once you decide to go down it, stick with it. You know, maybe you're going to go down it, you're going to have some success, and then you're going to decide, hey, what I actually want to do is go down this path. But one of the biggest mistakes people make is that when I talk to new investors, they talk about buying and holding. They talk about flipping. They talk about lease options. They talk about multifamily. They talk about self-storage. They're talking about all of these things, and it's clear to me that they're not focused on any of them. And so don't be one of those people. Don't make that mistake. Commit to yourself by getting clear up front. And maybe one of your goals is, my first goal is to go out and connect with five different people in each of these different areas of real estate, ask them what they like the most about it and get connected. And what you might end up finding is that one of those people is going to inspire you and you're going to like the life they're living and you're going to want to go down that path and maybe you're going to follow in their footsteps and learn from them. And then once you've decided and defined that, now it's clear what your picture is going to look like. Because if you're going to go down the path of flipping houses, that's going to be one path. If you're going to go down the path of you know, investing in multifamily, that's going to be another. But let's just assume that you're going down the path of flipping houses. Well, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to understand, well, what are the steps that I'm going to have to take? So you're going to, you're going to have to get familiar with what you're going to have to learn. And then you're going to lay out this little learning plan for yourself. And it's, you don't have to do it all at once, but you want to get a clear picture of some of the stuff that you're going to want to get focused in on. And then I'm going to encourage you to become absolutely undeniably obsessed. You want to become addicted to this game of real estate, to your flavor. And that means you're going to try and just 
hit it over and over again every single time you can. So you're going to listen to the investor mindset to lay down a baseline. You're going to listen to podcasts that are focused on your specific niche. You're going to hear from folks that are focused on your niche specifically, and you're going to reject information on episodes and podcasts from things outside of your real estate niche. So you're going to pick up books that are in that niche that are focused on flipping if you're going to go flip or focused on passive investing if you're looking to place your money and not have to manage it while you're working your W-2. So you're going to go down that path and you're going to learn as much as you can, but you're going to take action along the way. You're going to start trying. If, if you're going after deals, you're going to make those calls. If you're buying uh, houses to flip, you're going to make offers on the MLS. And it's not even necessarily about getting the offer accepted. It's about going through and you know, understanding how do I comp properties quickly? How do I analyze the deal? And so as we've gone through this process, we've defined what our goal is. We've defined why we want it. We've created a plan of what we're going to learn. And then we've started to take daily actions towards learning it. And those four steps are the four steps that you can repeat over and over again. And you'll end up getting to the end of a really successful place. And just to let you guys know, it seems complicated to take that action and it can seem scary to try to put that process into place. And actually, that's actually the reason I, I, I put this quick, very, very easy, very affordable program together called the 30-Day REI Action Challenge. And it's an email, a uh, daily email and video from me where I walk you through the process I just explained to you. And the reason I put it together was because I was explaining this to so many folks and I was finding that a lot of people weren't actually taking action. They were going and learning a lot of stuff, but they weren't doing anything with it. So if you guys are looking for that, I encourage you to check it out. It's at the investormindset.com slash challenge. Um, we really don't, it's really not about the money for us. If it's something that you feel like is valuable to you, I encourage you to take action on it. It's just a hundred bucks. Um, and it's something that'll help you lay out the exact process to get started on whatever goal it is that you want and actually make it happen. Cause at the end of the yeah. day, that's, what's most important. No, I think you're inspiring me. I can't tell you, I probably do six calls a day on trying to explain to people Airbnb. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I just, and, and then, you know, nothing happens. So I'm, I, I'm, we might do that. So <laughs> what, what is a, you know, I, this is mainly a personal question for me because um, I'm kind of a butterfly. I, I, I keep a lot of things in my head, but I have great business partners. I'm, you know, I'm leading the way they do most of the integrating stuff like that. What is a typical, like your KPIs, like Steven gets up, you know, what, what makes you feel great? If, if you had to describe like how you knock it out for the day and how you put your day together for you to feel like when you're, when you're, when you're locked in for the day or laying down that you feel like you, you've accomplished what you need to. And it doesn't happen every day, obviously, but yeah, that's a good question. So what I've got is something that I call my forever four, and it's the four habits that I'm committed to doing forever because they're extremely valuable and they're frankly pretty basic. So it goes from being four individual things, uh, to being just one thing that I've got to do. And so in that forever four, it's the four M. So it's every day I'm listening to some mindset. I'm listening to something that's going to empower me and start my day off in the right place. I'm focused on moving for 10 minutes every single day. I'm focused on doing meditation for at least 10 minutes every day. And then I finish that morning routine with mapping my day, which is a combination of journaling, uh, some gratitudes, 
three specific things that are small things that I write down that I can appreciate and that I can be grateful for and that I feel fully within myself. And then I write down some fears and some things that I'm excited about and some reminders to myself about how I'm going to show up during that day. And then the mapping part of mapping is actually putting together my action plan for the day. So every week on Sunday or on Friday, I'm planning out everything that I'm going to accomplish to hit my ultimate goals, to hit my top three goals that I have that I'm focused on on a regular basis. But then every morning, I'm reviewing what I set the day before. I'm looking at my calendar. I'm making sure that every single thing that I must do today is scheduled into my calendar. And I'm essentially mapping out my day and making sure that I know exactly how I get from where I'm at to where I want to go. And so when I do the forever four, I end up feeling much, much more satisfied with my day because at the very end of the day, I spend a little bit of time reflecting and asking myself, well, how did I do? What did I learn? Where can I grow tomorrow? And then this cycle continues to build. And when I don't work from a map, when I don't work from an action plan, I end up failing because I'll just be flailing around, reading emails, checking Asana, checking Slack, waiting for people to reply to me so that I can then take action on something they said versus being intentional and moving the ball forward the way that I want to versus reacting to what everyone else is hoping that I'll do. No, a thousand percent. There's two things I live by and I've been working on it. Um, One, and I don't want to open up Pandora's box, but, but uh, I think a lot of people's goals are BS. And so what I've decided to do, I think it's for somebody else. So what I've decided to do is I I live a life of intention, right? And it's, I'm intent to support, help, um, do businesses and, and carry an impact. Right. But by doing that, um, you know, I, I was a vegetarian for 110 days, you know, whatever. And I, I got to talking to one of my coaches and he said, you got to understand, like, you need to start telling yourself, like, this is not a diet. This is not a fad. This is who you are. And when it becomes who you are, you know, I, I, I interviewed a great mentor of mine, runs a massive billion dollar equity fund. He said, you know, habits can be broken and not followed through with but systems and who you are is your default system. So if you are a highly intentional person and you do get everything done, there's no chance that I wanted to do the 25 mile hill ride today. But 10 minutes in, I was like crying. But when you get done, because it's what I intend to do is be an Ironman, it's amazing how freeing you, you can feel. And I would imagine you feel the same way when you knock out your four things in the morning that you can do anything you want to. Absolutely. It's, it's also, it's, there's this idea of setting boundaries and sometimes you're setting boundaries for other people, uh, things and expectations. And sometimes you're setting boundaries to yourself. And by setting these boundaries, you're essentially telling yourself that you're worthy of whatever it is Hmm. that you're expecting of yourself and that other people are, you're going to hold yourself to a standard. You're going to hold other people to a standard of what you're going to accept in your life. And so when you've set a boundary for yourself, when you've decided that this is who you are and who you're going to be, then you can start to do those things that that are going to get you there and you can start to have the things that you actually want. And there's a great great, uh, coach and trainer. His name's Jim Fortin. I would recommend checking out the podcast. Start from the beginning and work all the way to uh, right now because it really does build on itself. But it really gets into this whole idea of identity. And when we can we can make something a part of our identity. It's something that we can really carry with us, you know, long into the future. And once it's there, 
and and we really believe that it's much easier because it almost becomes automatic. This is just the way that we are. You know, right now I I did a, a blood test recently to find out what sensitivities I have from an eating perspective. And so right now I'm eating uh, only like there's probably only like 25 specific foods that I can eat right now, like individual ingredients, because this list came back and I had to cut these things out for three to six months, different ones being on a different list. And when I see other people, they're like, Steven, you're so disciplined. How can you go about doing that? I can't imagine. And I ate like this for two years when I was eating on the slow carb diet. What I tell them is when I decided to take the test, I decided that I was going to learn something about myself with the intent of improving, clearing up my brain, making my body run more effectively, creating more energy. And so when I decided to cut those things out, it's temporary for the time being, but it is how I am going to show up because I've decided to do it. And therefore, there's no question about cheating or breaking the rules. Now, I really look forward to bringing avocados back and some of my favorite foods that have somehow been taken (laughs) off the list because of the sensitivity. But (laughs) <laughs> I want to say that without a doubt, I am not touching anything that's on that list um, uh, because I've decided to do it. And I think when we can bring that to our business and to our life, mm. like things really start just happening because, you know, when we're doing things with intention, life's just a lot better of a place. Okay. And that's rough because avocados are amazing. So I'm proud of you. But it's funny that you say that because I've been sober now for a year and five months. Right. And I just quit. I was drink. I drank every day for like 10 years, a lot. And I still got everything done, but I was a high end bartender for 20 years. It's what I did. I made really cocktails that people bought. And so when we're at a mastermind or we're with my buddies, like I'm still making cocktails. Right. And they're like, I don't understand how the hell you can make our cocktails and not drink. And I go, cause I've made a decision in my life that it does not serve me and it's done. And I don't even think about it. And when you can create that mindset, like I'm going to be successful or I'm going to impact others or I'm going to donate a million dollars, it's going to happen. And, you know, we were meditating the other day with a friend and she said, we're, we're talking about a business in the future. And she goes, it's already happened. We wrote it down. And I was like, what a powerful statement to like realize that we've got years of business to do, but like it's, we've already set the intention. So it's, it's going to happen. And I would imagine that to see stuff like that manifest, you know, it really builds on top of itself over and over again. It does. And what's cool about it, when you make a decision like that to cut something out of your life, whether it's permanent or temporary, you made that decision every day that you say no to it, or every day that you just continue to have that be the way it is. It get, you get stronger. It gets easier for you to do it. I know I haven't had a drink in eight months, not because I felt like I was an alcoholic or it was destroying my life, mm-hmm. but I took it out so that I could take a break, so I could feel the difference, so I could feel some of these emotions mm-hmm. that sometimes I might be challenging myself with. And I'll go out to the bars and I'll be partying at 2 a.m. with people and they're like, how the heck are you here? What are you doing? And it's, well, I don't need a drink. I, I can have just as much fun without one. And at some point, maybe I'll bring it back. Maybe I won't. It's been so valuable to me to not have it, to not have the ups and downs and the emotions or, mm-hmm. or using it as a crutch, you know, in social situations that, but what's so cool about it is that when you can embrace that, when you can show yourself that you don't need something, you end up feeling really empowered. And that way, if you ever do decide to add something back to your life, um, you can do it with intention. And at the same time, there's certain things that maybe are better left 
out of your life. And by taking a moment, even if it's just 30 days to cut alcohol or coffee or caffeine or whatever it is out of your life, just to experience what that feels like. Because for most people, they haven't cut caffeine out of their life ever. Mm -hmm. No, amen. Well, I want to respect your time. Your content's amazing. I want everybody to check it out. So tell them all again, one more time, all the places they can find you at, how they can find you. We'll add it into the show notes as well. Great. Well, if you guys love this, I really encourage you to follow me on Instagram at steven.pesavento. And if you want that guide, the ebook that I talked about on the five principles after interviewing nearly a hundred of the most successful investors, I would encourage you to go grab it. It's totally free. Theinvestormindset.com slash principles. Uh, obviously the information will be in the show notes and I, I look forward to seeing a DM from you or a message on Facebook. And, uh, I look forward to you listening to the podcast, the investor mindset. And, uh, I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Yeah, man. I'm like, I just want to say it so I can, uh, highlight it and bring it back. Thank you, Evan holiday, because it's because of Evan, I went to big, uh, best conference ever. And I met you and Tyler and, you know, two of the best humans I've met and, and investing is a better place with uh, people like y'all. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. If you like this, make sure you share it, send it to your friends, rate us, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.